0: I'm SP from the getageek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the getageek.com network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at getageeknetwork.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. I'm your host, Chris, and today I have another line of, uh, of people you should probably know if you are a
0: long-time listener. We have Joel from last week. Joel, how are you? I am doing great. Happy holidays! Yes, it's exactly. almost 2021. 20, thereabouts. Oh, Yay. I'm so glad.
1: I'm so glad. <laughs> we also have, joining us uh, for the first time this season, we have Ernie. Ernie, how are you?
2: How you doing, Bharatna? going well. Thanks for having me again, buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we also have Ian. Ian, how are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. I'm really upset that you didn't do it in your voice that you were doing before we were recording. What voice was I doing? (laughs) It was the really deep, like, I'm back coming to the Crash Couch voice. Hey, everyone. (laughs) It's great to be back on the Crash Couch. (laughs) Well, it is good to have both of you back. Do you, do you have any thoughts on how the season is playing out since you weren't here for the for the last, last episode? I do, yes. So this is the only book in The Expanse that I've
3: read twice because I read the first five books and then I just didn't read them for a long time. And then I thought I ordered book six, but I actually ordered book five again. And on top of that, I accidentally ordered it twice. So there was a period of time where I had three copies of this book and I read it twice. And so I'm very familiar with the story and... I was watching with my wife and I was just like what episode are the asteroids going to hit like and they don't really hit till if you read the books about the, it's like halfway ish through the book and so it's about close to the same and and so it is definitely like everyone going out on their own paths it's a little slow to start but then this episode hits and it's just like oh and you feel emotions it's I don't think it's going to stop until the finale. Like it's just gonna this is gonna be crazy.
0: So it made an impact on you again. Is that what's you're saying? Yeah, it made a deep
2: impact. Made made a splash. (laughs) Ernie, how about you? I'm gonna repeat what I said in our messaging thing. Uh, the episodes have been really good, but really slow. This episode four got to a point where I was watching it really late at night and my wife was on the couch watching uh, her phone because she's not into the expanse, and just basically when uh, the crap starts to hit the fan, I like push myself up out out of my seat really quickly. You know, my heart started pounding really fast, uh, but like I kind of did it in this really herky jerky. Looked like I was a tweaker, <laughs> um, <laughs> because it was just it's such an exciting moment because the season has been so slow that this episode just like hit the jets. But this season has been great. It's, it's given us a lot of fat to chew on. But this was like you are actually getting to the actual cooked meat, you know, yeah. perfectly medium rare. So juicy. It's just mm, so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking it's more of a burnt steak. But, you know, asteroids can do that. But, uh, yeah, listen, a million people, millions of people have died. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite characters, Fred Johnson, while he was um, assassinated, Whack, yeah, killed, murdered, however you want to describe it, right? Okay. And we only got like one quasi bar scene this whole episode. You know, it's set. That's like the officer mess, right? When they actually witnessed the uh, watchtower's satellite system and I uh, take down the fourth asteroid.
1: One thing that you mentioned, Ernie, is how you kind of felt that the first three episodes were a little slow and then you got to this one and it sort of just ramped up the action. That's one thing I wanted to kind of ask you guys about because I saw somebody talking about how. The Mandalorian, which is this a Star Wars show? If you are unfamiliar with that, um, first of all, what rock are you living under, or what planet are you living on? If you've not uh, heard of the Mandalorian and you're not watching it, but a lot of people mentioned that that show has a lot of filler to it, and there might be an episode where the Mandalorian goes to a planet and this like saves the day, or goes on a mission, or something, and then doesn't it doesn't really like advance the the overall plot. Why do you think that The Expanse can get away with episodes where they don't directly advance the plot in a major way, but The Mandalorian can't?
2: I think a lot of it has to do with... It's a complicated story because with The Mandalorian, we're following technically one character. It's revolved around him, so it's almost like you see the world through his eyes. Whereas The the Expanse... It is literally taking the vastness of space and this expansion of, you know, where we are in the future. And we're following not only the expansion of it through the spaceships, but you're looking at the politics side of it. You're looking at the black market side, which is, you know, this episode really started to get heavy into what was what actually is happening with the black market. You're looking at the anger of, of people that felt like they've been pushed down all their lives starting to rise up and their plan coming to fruition. So I think even though the the first three episodes were slow, there's no such thing as filler in The Expanse. It all serves a purpose and there's a reason why they show certain things. The story uh, itself is not just character development. It's a story development. And I feel like with this episode, even though it's probably my favorite one, there's a lot of moments i think even in in the first three episodes that i can look back and and say like wow that really says a lot about holden or even that says a lot about amos especially amos i i feel like amos is a big focal point this year uh or i mean this season even in his journey and it's just an awkward slow journey right like he is going back to the area he grew up in we know nothing about amos as far as like you know the show goes i'm not sure what they've exposed in the books but just watching him kind of walk through this this old neighborhood where he grew up, he started to put these pieces together, and they're very essential pieces to his character. And also it's another part of the expanse through Amos's eyes. So I feel like there's a ton of character, and everything serves a purpose. it's It's not just telling one person's story. it's it's how this story is advancing the world is probably the the way I could summarize it the best.
0: That was very well said, Ernie. I look at it, it's a slow burn. It's supposed to be a space noir slash opera. And with this episode, the fourth episode, we get, oh my God, we get not the slow burn, we get the payoff, we get the burn, right? And it comes down in so many ways and and it's awesome. And I think what made this episode so Powerful, I don't want to say impactful because we've used that joke several times already, but what basically triggered our emotions is the fact that, yes, we just spent three episodes with the character building. We were this slow you know meandering plot we've seen it develop in pieces and and, and glimpses like glimpses of of how, where it's going to go and then bang, oh my God, this is the payoff. I just found that, that fascinating. and Amos? I got a lot to say about Amos on this episode, so I'll leave that for a bit.
3: I have nothing to add. I think they covered it.
0: Yeah, I think that it's really,
1: it's a really weird comparison to make. I know, just because you know they're both different types of shows, and you're right that the Mandalorian does really focus a lot on a very small amount of characters versus the Expanse, which you know has not only our, our main crew that we're all used to, but multiple factions and the multiple people within those factions and the multiple goals within those factions. It's a bad comparison. I know, but it's still worth repeating because it's, you really can't have a show be so drawn out and be successful. Most of the time, like if it was still in sci-fi, they wouldn't be able to do this. And I think it's just, is another reason. I know we always talk about, you know, the, the move to Amazon and how, really how much of a good thing it's been for the show and i think this is just another reason why because i feel like before you know maybe we they would have tried to condense what happened in the first three episodes into like one and a half episodes and then we would have got the asteroid stuff in this one in like the later half of the second episode or or something along those lines so i think we just we should be kind of thankful for that that the expanse doesn't have to rely on something like that
3: yeah,
0: completely agree. You can tell, uh, Chris, that you weren't born in the 1970s. Okay? <laughs> Slow pacing was <laughs> where it's at for so many years. Yeah. And uh, uh, maybe I'm old enough so I can appreciate it, but uh, I love the show.
2: You know, one of the things I've noticed, too, is they, they do seem to focus on a certain emotion, season by season. Don't get me wrong. There's tons of emotions that are played. But this one, I feel like the the theme of this season has been frustration. Frustration that the crew is separate. There's frustration about the politics that are happening to Avasarala and just her journey and trying to expose the truth. The frustration of this plan that we're about to discuss in this episode, how it comes into fruition for the belt and uh, the OPA. Because I felt like frustration from one through three. And then this one just really, I, I feel like pissed me off so much because I want something to be done about it. They do a good job of just focusing on this one emotion. Yeah, there's tons more in there, but th- this really seems to be the the theme for this season. I think.
3: Yeah, I think I think you're completely right there. Reading the books, I guess maybe I felt less frustration, but watching it, that's a, a really you kind of nailed it. I realized what I was feeling as I was watching it was this yeah this underlying frustration with just like. It's the build up of like what's going to happen and already me knowing what's going to happen and like just waiting for it to happen and it is also very much like okay where are we going where where is this all going you know they tease it in the first episode where you see the asteroid get broken up but you still don't really know what's ha- going to happen everything is felt out of focus and it's all been like hyper focused and now we realize what the season's all about
1: yeah and it's, we especially get it with the very end of the episode when we have um, Marco's speech. It's kind of funny because the other night I was watching uh, a reaction. There's this YouTube channel called Blind Wave, and they do reaction videos to shows and movies and stuff. They started with The Expanse, I think, a month ago. And I think they're they've released up to like episode six or something of season one, and just to kind of see the tension between. All of the characters and and what's going on, even back in season one, like to sort of have that in the back of your mind, and then see where it is now. It kind of just all makes sense. And even though that wasn't really like the the core issue at the time of season one, it, it still just flows together, and it's, it's it's the natural way of doing things. It's not like they tried to wrap up, you know, a a, a previous storyline and was like, oh, well, we still have. Five other books to write. Let's see, you know, let's just make up something from you know just what what fits. It 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 all fits. Yeah, the writing is incredible
2: and consistent, which is super important, mm-hmm. I think, for me. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's weird too because we didn't get a lot of changing out between our characters' storylines this time. I know we started off with with Alex and Bobby on the the Screaming Firehawk. As its title now, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, that's cool. I think at the very beginning of the of the episode when it's flying and it has like the ship name, it's called
0: the Screaming Firehawk. Now
3: I never caught that. That's cool.
0: I didn't either. That's funny. I caught it. It's great. It's amazing. I, I saw it. It <laughs> the first time. <laughs> it's been renamed. Yes.
1: <laughs> but like that, like we get you know a few minutes with them, and that's literally it. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is that it just. That's just how it fits. Like, there's obviously a lot more going on than than their mission, and you know they don't have anything to really like. They're not just shoving scenes in with them. Like, we get something at the beginning, and that's it. Like, I, I kind of forgot that they were even you know here until I rewatched the episode. Yeah. Um. Just because there's not like we know where they're at, and they're still on that that bit of a journey, and that kind of segues us into um, them learning about what's happening on Earth. I just like how it all fits.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, there's actually dread watching this episode, especially if you're looking at it through an American eyes, because Mm -hmm. there's similarities with this episode, say, to the 9-11 attack, right? So you have one asteroid hits Earth, or you have one plane that slams into the World Trade Center, right, okay? It was an accident. What's happening? Is it just, is this nature just being nature? No, you have to wait until the second impact to know that, hey, it's an attack. It's an attack, and this is why you know, Sorella was so adamant. It's an attack. She knew it. She, she her instincts was was right in this case. Yep. And then we have the political extremists at the very end of this episode give this speech, right? Very much in line of Osama bin Laden after the 9/11 attacks in terms of uh, speeches being uh, traded around on a cassette player, like a cassette tapes. Right mm-hmm. from his caves, from his caves in Afghanistan and places like that in Pakistan, very powerful stuff. And even like the plane escort with like Air Force One versus the United Nations uh, president, right? And you see, the, there is actually two fighter escorts as well, which happened during nine eleven as well in terms of yeah. Air Force One. Yeah, that's how they they do things, right? There's a lot of uh, parallels and juxtapositions going on in this episode.
2: That's a that's a really good point, there, Joel. I completely agree and. In- I was wondering why the the feeling felt familiar. Yeah, that's that's great. Can I just speak about Amos? Just you know, this Amos
0: goes to jail today, right? In this episode, he goes visits his his uh, his buddy Peaches, all right.
1: By the nice surface. to see her again.
0: Yeah. very nice. nice to see her. Right, okay.
1: Uh, I
0: was. Uh, what's her real name? Uh, uh, Chrissa What's Clarissa? Clarissa Mal? Yeah, right. Okay. And So the only reason why Amos is alive. Is because he decided to show some empathy and go visit a, another troubled soul, which he had some sort of bonding with or, or some sort of comradeship with. Because if not, he would have been on the surface and he would have been smacked by the asteroid or the fallout from the asteroid. Yeah, that's true. And, yet, and you look at this, at the end of the episode, and we both see the more of that in the next episode, no doubt, it's almost like Earth itself has become a prison and that people are fleeing the prison, Right. And you compare that or contrast that to uh, Marco's uh, speech at the very end of, of it, right? Where he his last line was all about freedom. The Bulgers are free, 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 free. Whereas the Earthers, well, the planet is now a prison. They're trying to get off as fast as possible because we haven't even got the whole nickel winter yet, right? It's not a good place to be. You Lots know, of different contrasts.
2: One of the things I wanted to point out about Amos' journey is... So, like, the term psychopath uh, isn't, like, what most people think. It's, like, that term where they think killer. The term psychopath actually just means a person's uh, inability to sympathize with another human being. In a a sense, like, Amos has been a psychopath throughout the, the first four seasons, and, you know, I'm pretty sure in the book as well. But it's so bizarre and, and shows a very much a character growth of amos uh, as the show has progressed and even just how he's been accepted by a crew like he is an essential piece to that crew but to see him kind of give back he doesn't know what he's doing he just knows he has to go do something and visit and just the sympathy that he's been giving back is very very uh foreign to him but you know why would he go visit clarissa to see him kind of deal with these emotions and, and start to open up a little bit is is really cool to watch because amos has been one of my favorite characters because he's so complicated because he doesn't show any emotions but for him to show these emotions that he doesn't know how to express he just knows that in order to do them is, is how he can express it and that conversation he had with Mao was pretty eye-opening just kind of like i don't know i'm i'm just I guess I'm here to help you. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he's trying, you know. So it's just a cool character development for Amos.
3: Mm -hmm. One of the things uh, to think about, too, is the fact that now Amos is trapped underground in the pit with a ton of crazy people with body modifications. So So, episode five is
0: going to be interesting. It's his happy place. It'd be great. Exactly, (laughs) yeah.
3: <laughs> a true, t- a true test of his
0: uh, abilities as a non-modded yeah. human. I'm not sure it's possible, but Amos is becoming less psychopath, like a, a less of a psychopath, because we really see that in his actions in this episode, right? He's showing vulnerability f- the, you know, towards Peaches. That's amazing, right? The true psychopath of this episode is, of course, Marco, mm-hmm. Marco Amneris. He's the guy who doesn't sympathize or empathize with anyone else but himself
2: Mm -hmm. i would kind of disagree with that one a little bit uh, because i do think he's doing this for the belt obviously i think there's a little bit of glory in there for him and he's very much driven by that but i do think it's like the oppression that the belt has felt for years that has kind of pushed him to that moment so i i I get what you're saying but i kind of disagree
0: yeah, say. maybe he—it's a convenient vehicle for him to use to channel his own personal issues, right? Because he's narcissist, yes. and, and, and I can't say the word—he's a narcissist, right? Okay, it's all narcissist, about him, yes. right? Yeah. It's all about him, right? And so he can latch on to any political fight, and to a certain degree, you mean to believe it and be passionate about it, right? So I can see your point as well, but I think sometimes it just boils down to personalities and our own um, issues in life.
3: Yeah, and and latching on to uh, that, I'll be the one that tries to say the name of the episode. I think it's Gagamela. Gagamela. (laughs) Guacamole. Um, (laughs) It it is referring to the Battle of Gagamela um, in which, and I think it's referencing that this, not because Alexander the Great, like, it's not about tactics used or anything. I think it's actually referencing the fact that in this battle, Alexander the Great won a ton of territory. And Marco, at the end of this episode, is like, everything that is outside of your respective atmospheres now belongs to the belt. It's not even like we're independent of you. Like stop. It's like, leave us alone. It's just like, as soon as you enter atmosphere, you're in belter territory. And it's ours. It's a really freaking
0: big deal. Uh, to claim
1: all of space
0: Yeah he doesn't yeah. have an ego does he right <laughs> Nah
1: <laughs> Yeah I, I know we're like Oh we've already jumped, at, jumped ahead to the end But just that, that speech is probably one of my Favorite moments of the show So far just because It's so intimidating and it's so Gargantuan like I mean, You can just it, Yeah it's easy to just go and Say things like it's like that episode of the office where michael's like i declare bankruptcy and then somebody says i think it's oscar says just because you say something doesn't make it true and he's like i didn't say it i declared it yeah i feel like that's what marco is doing here uh you know obviously it's it's going to have its it's going to have its uh consequences and it's not just him declaring it it's probably gonna be a, a big deal As you said, yeah,
3: Yeah. and it makes you wonder too how how many how many people in the belt are gonna be like, who the hell's this guy?
1: Like what? Yeah, Yeah.
3: like I was telling Kelsey, I was like, him and the Free Navy are kind of like ISIS within the belt. They're this like very clear kind of like terror organization.
2: You know, there's a little bit of Hitler in there too because uh, he's bringing like Hitler brought hope to Germany. You know, after World War Mm One, that that country was in shambles. You could say the belt has been in shambles for years and years and years and, and this guy's finally bringing hope and, and kind of uniting them all under one but this guy, you know, stamping a big flag in the middle of space saying, well, this is ours.
3: Yeah, you know, and, and killing and himself. millions.
2: Millions. So, yeah, mean, if,
3: we're talking about, if we're talking about Hitler and I think this episode didn't get into final numbers but it's
2: it's a very high number. <laughs> and by the way, a big heads up uh, or at least a, a big thumbs up to the casting because the, the choice of who they chose for Marcos, I don't see any other guy playing him. Like he's he's like a good looking dude, but he's also kind of got this crazy look to him mm-hmm. when he when he it's almost like his pupils dilate when he starts speaking.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I love the moment right before they hit the camera to record and send the message. He's like kind of has his eyes closed, and then all of a sudden the, the camera comes on and he opens and he immediately kind of goes into character. Mm-hmm. Like he he plays that off so well. They've done a good job with choosing Philip because he he looks like a good blend of Mar- Marcos and also he Naomi. really
3: does yeah
2: um, I like you know even his swagger and cockiness and even there's a bit of immaturity in him you know just kind of this wanting to please dad kind of attitude but they did they did another great job uh, choosing those those people for this uh, episode or you know just even for the season
1: yeah yeah I think that casting was was spot on um i know i think it was i want to say it was dominique posted um somewhere on social media the other day a picture of the three of them and it's just like behind the scenes and it's just it was really weird to see it because like you could see them as a, like a true family yeah like if, if you didn't know and somebody was like oh are all of these people related you would probably say well probably like the the casting is just excellent very well done i'll I'll say too that speaking of naomi it was like she didn't get a ton of screen time in this episode but what we did see is just a plus acting mm-hmm. on on dominique's part just mm-hmm. because like there's this part where i think she when she gets locked in the door or locked inside somewhere and she's you know she's screaming open the door or don't let me in or something along those lines and she starts screaming at the, at the start of the sentence, but by the end, she's just sort of like this uh, this soft screech
3: mm-hmm.
1: like just of just like sadness and disappointment and and anger and just all these emotions are just in that one line oh it just it it really got me, especially the second time that I watched it, just top of the line writing and just a great performance from her
3: mm-hmm. yeah, it's
1: completely a thousand agree.
3: percent believable like it just yeah. it, it, it it felt so real. Uh, it's really raw, uh, yeah, and super heartbreaking. Like, uh, it, it, I think being a parent kind of helps with that, being able to understand the emotional connection to a kid, even if you haven't had contact with this kid for a long time. Like coming back and just ha- facing rejection from the kid, and then finding out that your kid is like was res- almost the one responsible for murdering millions of Earthers. It's just like I don't even know. Like, so I think. Her, her, the writing and the acting on, on Dominique's part is just like good.
1: Underlined three
3: times.
1: (laughs) Another thing I noticed too was how really this season is just talking about not all of our characters, but with Alex and Amos and Naomi, we all have them dealing with family in some kind of regard. Not so much Holden and Bobby and, and um Avasarala, but you know, it's it's nice to kind of see that that theme looked at and, and through the eyes of some of our characters. Especially since, you know, that just gives us more background material for them.
3: Yeah. Well Holden's gotta be worried about his family.
1: Yeah, that yeah. is true. Yeah.
3: And then I don't think he'd consider Fred Johnson family, but they were really close. Yeah. And I remember in the when I was reading the book, when Fred Johnson was, was killed, it was just like, what? Like. Yeah. It's just because he's, yeah. not, he's not really in last season a ton. You get him back and you're like, oh, it's Fred. And then he's killed. It's just like, oh, Bye, come Fred. on. Um, yeah, and, I and, was
1: shocked when that happened.
3: Yeah, complete surprise. Just the betrayal and, you know, being able to kind of catch last minute that something's wrong and not being able to do anything about it. It's just like, ugh.
2: Yeah, you know something about the the graphics too i wanted to point out now i remember feeling this feeling when i watched the matrix trilogy that they kept doing scenes or shots and special effects that i think after a while kind of got boring like it wasn't brand new i every time they do something in space where somebody's shot and like bleeding out it's very graphic but it's it's such a like Mind-bending thing to watch, you know, and it it doesn't get tiring. It's tiring because it's it's a human getting killed and bleeding out. But like, just to watch it is just like, oh my god! Like watching Fred floating there while he's bleeding out was just like, whoa!
3: Yeah, it's it is crazy, Uh, and I think that's a. The visual effects are incredible, Uh, and there's one there's one shot in this episode too, right before Fred is killed, where. You have people that are walking that look like they're walking upside down, and you have somebody on the on the floor in quotes like working on something, and then the camera slowly like tilts so that eventually the people upside down are right side up, and then you're in Fred's office. Uh, and I think the show's always done a really good job with showing like portraying zero g. This season in particular, I think, has done a, a killer job. And that was really, really interesting to see. Even just them like floating Fred's body. Like, when, yeah, like get him to gravity and they're just kind of just floating along.
2: Dude, one of my favorite shots in this whole episode also was um, it's almost like something clicks and in him. when he's like got a mission now. Like, mm-hmm. he's ready to go. And the gun's floating and he just like captures it right as he's walking by. Dude, I love that shot. But there was so much happening even for, I think, Holden's character uh, that I love because Holden's kind of had this religious experience happen yeah. to him. Yeah. And, and you know, he, a lot of people talk about this in, in real life when they've had this uh, religious experience happen to them. It's almost like they want to go back to that and dedicate their lives to finding that again. Uh, you know, you hear about it when people try to find nirvana through meditation I think Holden sometimes wants to get back to feeling like he has something important to do, and uh watching him kind of float along the the first three episodes and then when some some drama kicks in it's you know he finally gets going again, you know he watched Naomi leave him uh, to go do her mission, but he's almost like trying to find purpose again. I feel like Holden is really trying to get back to that religious experience, so when crap hits the fan for him he you know, it's almost like he wakes up. I, mm-hmm. I love seeing that.
1: Yeah, it's like something clicks inside him. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe too. Yeah, especially once he walks in and sees that Fred's dead, and you know he he closes his eyes, just that look on his face. Oh, it gives me chills just because I don't. I, I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he said, I think what's he say? Uh, he deserved to finish what he was building. Yep. And I agree because Fred was a very
0: is noble. Is that the right word? I think uh, he's more of, character. of a character. He was practical.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: and pragmatic. I, he was he's a he very was, pragmatic politician. Yeah,
3: what he was trying to build, I think, is the opposite of what Marcos is doing. He wanted to have like you know a, a bona fide space government, and then you know Marcos comes in, murders him murders a bunch of people on earth and kind of creates a weird vacuum of wild west in the space
0: what do you guys think of this rat story that started this episode out with uh, bobby telling her, uh, her childhood experience of having a pet rat but rats are usually uh, live that long in the wild and so that when they grow old, oh, they develop all types of tumors that makes death very painful and how Bobby reacted to that emotionally and eventually just closed the box and got on with her life. To me, that's just set the, the tone of this episode because there's so much death and mayhem in this episode. Okay. Even, you know, the husband of uh, our so- Sorella, he's missing. He was supposed to be mm-hmm. in New York City, which is not on the water, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't look good. It just, to me, who's the rats? And is it the rats on the, you know, on earth are the ones trying to get off the sickened ship and the metaphors are just so you know apparent at 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 a macro level and and as a micro level as well so the small and the large
3: yeah and i think he's she's helping him with that story kind of realize he's got to bury his idea of what mars is um, yeah, because it's absolutely not that anymore. It might have been at one time. I'm sure corruption existed within the Mars government uh, when he was serving. But, you know, now with the black market, and everything, it's completely changed. They're not uh, terraforming Mars anymore. And so whatever he thought Mars was is gone and he needs to get over that.
2: Yeah, a few seasons just, back, I remember too. Uh, there was a scene where Bobby was doing some training, and through the helmet, she's she kind of visualized what the terraforming would look mm-hmm. like on Mars, and that kind of like really drives home the point of that the dream of Mars is dead. Yeah, and that that scene was actually really sad to just watch. And um, by the way, Bobby killed it on that too with the acting. That analogy of building a coffin for Mars and having her tell it to Alex and almost like saying, catch up. Like, this is where my emotions are. This is where we need to be. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing was just really heavy. I almost felt like my breath, like I needed to breathe after that because I I was holding it, just listening to her story about it. And not to mention,
0: uh, apparently, and this was just in one line of of dialogue, uh, the Parliament of Mars uh, was attacked as well, right? There was a series of bombings, I think I remember from the books. So that was mentioned very briefly. So the free Navy is not holding back their punches at all towards Mars.
1: Yeah. I thought that was a really good spot to have that at the very beginning of the episode, just because it, it, you're right. It really did sort of just set things up. Even if, even if it was a little indirect about it, Just put it in the back of our minds. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There was even, there was a lot of stuff in this episode that is setting up the rest. I think setting up episode five, but also the rest of the season. It's like, It kind of goes towards the idea of there's not really any wasted space in any of these episodes. I'm excited to see what happens with a particular character down in the pit that was kind of called out. There was a guy working out and the officer down there said that he's down there. It's optional and he's chosen to stay down there. And she kind of calls him out and says his name or something. I think we're going to see more of him. I I got a feeling. (laughs) So I'm excited to see episode five. Assuming that episode five is spent with Amos. I don't know if that's going to be true. What's the episode title for five?
0: It will be Enchiladas. (laughs) It's called (laughs) Enchiladas. It's called (laughs) Enchiladas? No, 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 no. (laughs) It's Down and Out.
3: Down and Out? Yeah. Down and Out, it's got to be Amos. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that will be episode five of season five. And it looks like there's ten episodes in this season. Oh, good. According to Wikipedia. Cool.
3: Yeah, down yeah. and out, assuming that is talking about going down into the pit and trying to get out of the pit.
2: Yeah. Hey Chris, are you happy now too that they're doing that they're doing the weekly releases?
1: Oh yeah. I, I mentioned that on the last episode too. It's excellent. I just I love it so much. You know what's funny? And the, I
3: real quick, I, I was looking up, I was like, why is this re-? on Amazon? It's got four stars, which is weird. And you look, and there are hundreds of one-star reviews from people who don't want it released weekly. Well, and, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, and which is funny because it's like there's obviously like a split in the fandom of people who just want mm-hmm. who who are used to seeing it on Amazon and want to binge it like every other show, and then there's us who are like, wait, we got a podcast. We we don't have enough time for this. We got we need we need the time. Uh, yeah. And there is that, that live tweeting culture, you know, that is, I think, Sunny probably in the, in the minority of watchers, but still uh, pretty crucial to the fandom.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely love that they dropped the first three episodes and then everything else is going to be weekly, which the last episode will be uh, on February 3rd, which it'll honestly probably will be on February 2nd because they are tending to release these things in the evening of the day before. So probably be that but um yeah i i love it what i i like about it is that if i can anticipate the fact that the like assuming that all of the episodes will be released early than what they are intended which i, I i'm pretty sure that that's how it's going to be it's so nice just to be able to come home from the day and you know around seven eight o'clock my time just be able to open up amazon on my tv and and start watching it and not like most people haven't seen it yet. And, you know, I'm not the spoiler type, so I'm not going to just, you know, openly tweet spoilers about it. Unlike another show that I watch where I have to stay up until 2 a.m. if I want to uh, avoid any kind of spoilers and, and be able to go on the internet freely. Yeah, it's, I, I love it so much. And unfortunately, I've not really been able to do any live tweeting and I don't think. That'll change unless anything crazy happens, but it's still really nice to see that people are able to able to do that still and not have to worry about, oh well, you know there's no point in talking about what happened in episode four because you know something crazy happens in episode five, and oh yeah well the the finale's already out there, so you know, right. there's no point, yeah, and you're right it it does make us podcasters our lives a lot easier,
3: <laughs> exactly, yeah. The live tweeting thing, I think. I'm probably not going to do that. I'll give my thoughts on an episode, you know, and use the appropriate episode hashtag. But now that my wife is caught up and we watch it together, I'm not, like, live tweeting the whole time. Because I'm trying to, like, watch
2: and be present with her. Dude, that scene also I wanted to talk about, too, was um, when Avasarala is actually talking to Gao Mm
1: -hmm.
2: on the plane. Oh, yeah. Dude, that scene was crazy. yeah.
1: I, uh, I immediately got, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Designated Survivor. That is immediately what I thought of whenever that happened. Because especially, I think it was right after that crash, Avastral is told that you know they don't know who is next in line of succession, like half of the cabinet was on the plane and or on the ship or whatever it was, and it was just really crazy to think about. Like, it's funny because in our last recording, I mentioned that Avastral really didn't have you know, a lot of anxiety and and uh, a lot of emotions, really, this uh in those episodes. Like, she didn't have to say a lot of swear words, but this really changed. <laughs> like, she's back to the the character that we're used to.
3: Yeah, I thought it was very clever of her to call the chef to get Nancy's attention. And I love that she goes, of course I know who you are. You fatten me up on macaroons for, like, two <laughs> years or whatever. I thought that was a funny line.
2: I love how the chef just made a sandwich. It wasn't like anything fancy. I know. It was just a sandwich. Here's your
3: sandwich, Nancy. Also.
2: It's got avocado though. Yeah,
0: I, I, I like the, the fact that if you're a passenger on that plane, right? You know, you're not going to survive the shock wave, right? It's the, the absolute terror, the shock. Yeah. You missed the blast, but there's a shock wave coming mm-hmm. and, and what a way to go out. Right. And the, the official leader of the UN, so the Gao character, right? Even her protection's like, get down, get down, get away from, from the windows. Like, that's going to help. I know. Yeah. They're trying to do their job to the very last end, right? Yeah.
3: That was a very just crazy and sad and futile thing to watch. Just, like, inescapable.
2: It and makes it gets, me wonder, though, if, you know, by Alvis discovering what was actually happening, that they were using stealth tech. And why they couldn't detect it. Um, It makes me wonder if Gal would have given more to Avasarala. or if not, you know, uh, as far as even just her position.
3: Yeah, just kind of like, oh, thanks for this information. Back to your fake jail that I've put you in.
2: Yeah, because I mean, she said, and we we know she did. She saved millions more lives by her persistence. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I have, well, I'm not even going to pretend I know what happens. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Sorella. I don't
0: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Do you think Fred Johnson will be alive today? Well, you know, you know what I mean, so to speak. If he wasn't uh, in possession of the proto-monocle, at least a sample of it.
3: Ooh. Uh... Because yeah, I think, I think I think I oh. think if he didn't have the proto molecule, he would not have been a target. Yeah, it would be just another. At least leader, maybe right? not during this initial attack.
1: Yeah, I think you're also assuming that he would still be alive up to this point without it.
0: True, mm. that's a good way to look at it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting because yeah, he kept it in his uh, in his quarters, right in his cabin. That is kind of. cool. Oh, let's talk about the crab robot thing, the red crabby thing. I what do you guys made? It a- oh my god, was, that was right on that. It was cool. It was cool. It was neat. Uh, it, Yeah. For a TV show, it was first class. Yep.
3: And I think this is this is something that's interesting, too, from a sound design perspective, especially if we're comparing, like, The Mandalorian versus The Expanse. While both are sci-fi, one is very much more grounded in reality. So it's really cool to see a robot like that that sounds very much like you would expect it to sound. And there's not really any crazy out there sounds coming out of it. Like with so much of Star Wars stuff, you have like, this is an engine. And it's an engine that
2: sounds freaking awesome.
3: With this, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a robot. And it sounds like a robot
2: doing robots. Also, yeah. there wasn't any uh, techno music playing. It's true. There was no like, wow,
3: wow, wow, there was no uh,
2: Death Trooper or Dark Trooper. I, I'm joking because uh, the Mandalorian had awesome music when the Dark Troopers showed yes, up. but I, yeah, uh, the, the, this did, this was super dramatic and just sound sound effect uh, heavy.
3: But yeah, it was really cool. And there's little things I appreciated, like you know when they were going back and forth between um, Holden and I forget I don't know if we know her name. I forget her name. The person who's working the on the ship. Who? Uh, who? Yeah, Kai. Um, uh As they're oh, Sakai. shifting Sakai. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, as they're going back and forth. Um, you can hear what the robot's doing in your left ear, and then in your right ear, and then in your left ear as the perspective is changing.
1: So it's just, there's just oh, there's little things cool. like
3: that that I really appreciate uh, as somebody. And you would ne- you music. would never notice
1: that unless you were probably wearing headphones, right? Uh, yeah, definitely easier like to pick up.
3: Really definitely awesome easier to pick up. System.
1: But it's 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 just good
3: sound design. This whole this whole episode, the music, the sound was so good. Like yeah. the, the 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 meteors hitting earth super impactful huge 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 sounds the loudest those are like the loudest moments in the in the episodes uh all the guns are just super punchy and like you feel like you're getting hit in the gut as you as you're
1: hearing them so it was it was just so good the only thing about the robot that i did not like was that i and i think this is just a a, a thing with sci-fi especially one that's grounded in in our reality when it comes to firing guns at robots i just I, I never understood that. Why, why would you shoot a gun, like a regular gun, out a robot? I mean, I just, I feel like that's not going to do anything. It's just going to waste time and waste ammo. I feel like it's just one of those, like, what else are you going to do?
3: That's yeah, I,
2: I feel like if you actually were in that situation, Chris, you'd be firing me. Oh, directly. yeah. I, <laughs> I would.
1: I would. I definitely would. Hopefully I never have to get in that kind of situation in my lifetime.
2: <laughs> I'm sending you a robot
1: right now. And then Holden tried to take that piece of metal and just shove it in, and it reminded me of um, I don't know if that that part reminded me of like General Grievous from Star Wars Episode Three, even though that's not what Obi Wan does to kill him. It, just, it gave me that kind of vibe. But I'm like, well, I don't know. That just felt a little. That part was probably the only weird thing. It just felt not out of place, but it just felt a, a little I don't know cheesy. The way that that was shot and set up was just a very, very you know no pun intended but felt very robotic from Steven Strait doing it as Holden mm-hmm. and I don't know maybe I'm I'm just being too picky in that regard or I missed something but that's how I saw it
3: I didn't really have an opinion on that other than you know guns don't work grab a stick <laughs> you know he tried and apparently it's a smart robot
1: yeah he was uh, even like moving his arms to like get the protomolecule sample through the doorway which is
0: really interesting yeah. If we're nit- nitpicking, can I just say that I thought the woolen storage bay, all the containers, that was amazing CGI. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Container upon container upon container or like, right? yeah. Yeah, let's go with that.
1: Yeah, that was a cool shot. It's it's weird to be talking about the protomolecule again too mm-hmm. because I, f- I feel like especially we've mm-hmm. not really talked about it too much since, what, season three? Like, yeah, a little bit in season four, but it it hasn't been the focus really since the third season and it's just it's kind of i mean you know we'll see what happens in the rest of the season if that's something that you know gets back into the forefront of the story which i wouldn't be surprised if it does but just is really interesting to to kind of see that pop up again
3: yeah it is interesting and and just hoping it stays in that container.
1: Yes, because I, I don't think we need more protomolecule out in the world again. <laughs> we don't need another... Um, oh, what was... uh Was it Eros? Was that the station mm-hmm. that was covered in it? Yeah, I don't think we need another Eros incident. No. Oh, back in the carefree days of season two.
3: <laughs> back when things were so simple.
1: Yeah. I remember... Um, just a funny story back in that time we had um we had screeners from sci-fi and uh, i was working in a museum at the time and we would record our episodes prior to them being shown on sci-fi for crash couch and i was watching that while i was working at the museum you know no one was in there and like all of the stuff was happening like with miller and and julie and you know his unfortunate demise and i'm just like sitting there and just like this just so many emotions going on. I'm like, man, I really hope no one walks in this museum right now because they're just going to see this random dude sitting at a desk crying or wanting to cry over, <laughs> over some fictional character. But, oh, those were the days. Hopefully the protomolecule won't make me cry this time.
0: Hopefully not. Yes, Chris. Why so blue?
1: <laughs> huh, very funny.
2: <laughs> Too bad. So sad. <laughs> What, that, I couldn't believe that was a line in this show.
1: Yeah, like, I was I can't waiting for to like go to some that. like children's nursery, nursery rhyme from that, yeah. or like some belter nursery rhyme.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had
3: well, I had that thought too because I was like, it did seem like out of place with the exceptional writing elsewhere, and then I kind of just thought like Sakai sees that this is probably the end of the line for her. She probably thought maybe she could get out. And her brain is just kind of starting to shut down, especially after that. So she just, it's just like this, like, whatever's left of her is like barely there in this moment. And so all she can get out is not a clever speech. It's just this, you know, you lost.
2: Which is crazy because her plan, or at least like she was a big, you know, cog piece in the plan, is so technical. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just even what she does is technical. Uh, I'm almost wanting to see what she did to the Rocinante. I wonder if there's there anything in part of her plan that had to do anything with like disabling the Rosanante or, you know, putting some sort of virus in the computer system for it. But yeah, just to have her in this one moment where she could have said something that blew our minds, said, too bad. So sad. So sad.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she engineered her own fate. She
3: did.
1: Well, I think we've gone for uh, almost an hour now. Any uh, closing thoughts about this, this episode you
0: guys want to talk about? Yeah, payback. That's where it's at. Let's get uh, up, you know, the Earthers and uh, the Martians and, yeah, get back in the game.
2: Get back on that horse. Yeah, I feel like I really want some justice, you know, because the the four episodes, I'm just – I was just waiting for something to happen. And this episode was just an explosion of let's get them back, you know.
1: Yeah, I think you got what you want with that, Ernie. <laughs> you, de- you definitely got, you know, that that
2: action – and don't and don't get me wrong because I, I do. Lo- but actually, one of my favorite things in the expanse itself is the politics. I've I've never been a politic guy, you know, and I've never been that that person to seek out that stuff. But just watching how politics play out in this space novel show is probably the most interesting thing. But to have something chaotic happen, I think it's just fun. Also, it just really gets the mind going. Like, oh, let's let's do this.
1: Yeah. And speaking of politics, that does kind of talk about Avasarali here because I just I have a hunch that she's going to have to be in some kind of higher position than what she was currently used to. So we'll see
0: how that plays itself out again. I think she will be a great minister of education. Just saying.
3: <laughs> I'm really excited about where the rest of the season is going to go. I don't know that we're going to have any more episodes that just kind of feel slow
1: i don't get that vibe and you know i've not read the book so i don't know what's coming but just from the from the setup i i don't get that vibe slow Um, fast
2: doesn't matter it's all good yeah
1: i think that is a a good way to end it then so if you all want to uh follow us on twitter you can find the podcast twitter at crash couch Uh, my twitter is at the curse of chris joel where can people find you online
0: Yes, I'm on Twitter at Joel underscore Welch. So J-O-E-L underscore W-E-L-C-H. I also have my own podcast called the Sci-Fi Pubcast, where we endeavor to have bar-like conversations talking about themes and science fiction and pop culture. It's quirky. Very, very quirky.
1: Ernie, you no longer have Twitter, but where can people find you if they want to chat with you about this?
2: Yeah, I got rid of my Twitter. But uh, if you guys really want to find me out, or find where I'm at. Uh, I'm on the corner of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually on Instagram at your buddy Ernie, and also I do a podcast with Chris and Joel talking about the Mandalorian. And as we so briefly thrown into this episode, uh, it's called Mando Night Football.
0: Oh yeah, I'm on that one as well. Yeah, go Mando Night Football. Great, great podcast. Listen to it now.
3: <laughs> and Ian, where are you living at these days? Uh, mostly on Twitter at bearded ASMR, where it's not all about ASMR, but mostly audio and sound design, and my kids, and also ASMR,
1: <laughs> and beards apparently, and beards all right. always. All right, everyone. Well, next week, uh, hopefully, we will be back talking with The Expanse. We're hoping to have Laura back on the show um, next week so hopefully our schedules will align and we'll be able to get her on for the first time this season. But until then, take care everyone.